Praise the Lord. We welcome you all to our live broadcast today, Sunday, July 24, 2022. Shall we pray? In Jesus' name we pray. Our Father and our God, we again come by your grace before your throne. We plead the blood of Jesus Christ upon ourselves and all who have joined and all who will join in future in Jesus' name. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your insights and inspiration. And pray, Lord, that you will take these words today, who are your, which are your words, to do that for which has been purpose in every life that we hear or speak on this message. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, dear Holy Father. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Praise the Lord. Instrumental taken again from Abrakale Brasi. But the Lord continue to bless him and his family. Actions have consequences. That's our series. You can see it on the board. The series outline. We have already covered three, four, five. Today we are going to speak on the church and God's grace. Try and go through the board again so that in future you will know exactly what we'll be speaking next Sunday. Because that again, the whole part of the Actions Have Consequences series. So today's topic, the church and God's grace. The outline. Number one, God's grace means believers are not under the law. Two, the law was temporary. Three, it is unbelief to mix law and grace. Four, consequences of mixing grace and the law. And we're going to sing a song. There's a fountain filled with the blood of Jesus. Number one, God's grace means that believers are not under the law. First scripture, please. I read from Romans chapter 6, verse 14. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. Praise the Lord. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has delivered believers from their sinful nature and the power of darkness, and made them heavenly citizens, not because of their own righteous acts, but because of their faith in him. This is very important. Let me repeat. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has delivered believers from their sinful nature and from the power of darkness and made them heavenly citizens. Not because of their own righteous acts, but because of their faith in him. Praise the Lord. Therefore, a believer's salvation is through God's grace and unmerited divine favor. So when we speak of God's grace, it must be understood that believers did not earn or walk from their deliverance from the kingdom of darkness and therefore cannot walk for the inheritance in the kingdom of God. A believer's salvation and continue walk in the Lord is by faith 
in Christ and not by works. Scripture, please. Romans chapter 3, verse 19. Obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given, for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. Praise the Lord. Let us not talk about the law or what is called sometimes the law of Moses. It was not given to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was given to Israel. It was given to the citizens of Israel, born between 1500 before Christ and 33 AD after Christ. Those are the ones who were subject to the law and no other. The purpose of the law, as we read, was to keep people from making excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. Everybody. So whom does the law apply to? As we read. Obviously the law applies to those to whom it was given. To Israel. Not the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Scripture please. I read from Romans chapter 2 verses 14 and 15. Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law, do by nature things required by the law. They are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law. Since they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences also bearing witness, and their thoughts none accusing, none even defending them. Praise the Lord. We come to the law of conscience. From Romans chapter 2, verse 15, we just read. requirements of the law are written in the hearts of others who are not of Israel. Their conscience is bearing witness and their thoughts accusing or defending them. So, the rest of humanity in the period we are talking about were under the law of conscience. So while Israel was under the law of Moses, given and that's those born between 1500 BC and 33 AD. The rest of humanity was under the law of conscience. Next scripture, please. Romans chapter 3, verses 19 to 24. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. But now a righteousness from God, apart from law, has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord for his word to us. Please, I want you to pay attention to the scriptures because we don't have all the time to explain every verse. But I'm self-explanatory. So I want you to understand this. And it's very important. There was no promise of eternal life to the Israelites under the law. 
Say that to yourself. The law will not make them inherit eternal life. And for those who are under the law of conscience, neither would it also do what? Make them to inherit eternal life. Nobody was inheriting eternal life. Because in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, all human beings have sinned, both Israelites and the humble or the Gentiles, and come short of the glory of God from Eden. All human beings have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So neither the Israelites, nor the non-Israelites, are these people we are talking about, we are going to inherit eternal life. Whether they follow the law of conscience or the law of Moses. Because, and I want everybody to know this. I plead with you, my brothers and sisters, it's important because next Sunday, we're going to bring some aspects you, that will not repeat what we're saying today. Eternal life is only through the grace of God. Repeat that to yourself. We can only inherit eternal life because of the grace of God. We are children of God by His grace. Because God's righteousness, no matter how much you and I walk, can never, we can never get righteous before God. God's righteousness through Christ is the only passport and visa for eternal life. And it comes only through faith in Christ and not by human works and not by following any laws and rules and regulations. Because those who are children of God are led by the Spirit of God. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to those who believe. Only through faith will you and I inherit eternal life and through not any works. Because our works are like fertilized before God. Only those who are means who believe in Christ that he died to save them from their sins and who make him their Lord and Savior and obediently following the path he has ordained for them Get the final visa to enter eternal life. Romans verse three, chapter three, verse twenty-four says, "We are justified freely, free, 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 free by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus." You will see by next Sunday when we start talking about human beings who have introduced laws to keep you and I in bondage, Jew and Gentile. That means Israel and the rest of humanity have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. I want to re-emphasize that. And only after Christ paid the penalty for sin and sins, around 33 AD, did human beings, Jew and Gentile, have access to spiritual prosperity and eternal life. Praise the Lord. Because only Jesus Christ fulfilled the righteous requirements of the law. That's why all who believe in him become part of his body. They are righteous so long as they are in his body. And his body is the church of Christ. Therefore, those who are on part of Christ's body are not under the law. They have Christ's righteousness imputed to them. And they have the Holy Spirit to indwell them and to guide them and to teach them and to do all the things that they need to do that will please Father God. Praise the Lord. Let's go to the next item. The law was always temporary. It was temporary. It was temporary. Scripture, please. 
I read from Galatians chapter 3 verse 19. Why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. God gave his law through angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and the people. Praise the Lord. The law was designed to be temporary. It was going to be temporary until the child promised who? The Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's what Galatians chapter 3 verse 19 has told us. First, to show people their sins. It had a terminal end. It was not permanent. It was to last until the coming of the child who was promised, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Let me repeat. And on that day when Christ paid the penalty for sins, right on the cross and said it was finished. And the veil separating the most holy from the holy in the temple in Jerusalem was torn in two, giving all who believe access to God, direct access. Praise the Lord. Because we're all prisoners of sin until the time that Christ delivered us on that day. That's what the Bible says in what we read. The Lord kept people in protective custody until the way of faith. Repeat that to yourself. Can you read verse 22? Galatians chapter 3, verse 22 to 23. But the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin. So we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. Before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under guard by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. Praise the Lord. I reiterated that. The law was to keep you and I in protective custody until the way of faith. But the law for Israel, the law of conscience for you and I, or for those who were in that period, sorry, not for you and I now, because we're not there. <laughs> we came after 33 AD. Sorry about that. Next scripture, please. Galatians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Now, a mediator is helpful if more than one party must reach an agreement. But God, who is one, did not use a mediator when he gave his promise to Abraham. Is there a conflict, then, between God's law and God's promises? Absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. Praise the Lord. I hope you know that last verse. The law could not give new life or new birth. The law could not make us to be born again. It could not make us to become inheritors of the kingdom of heaven. That's what that verse is telling us. So the law of Moses given to Israel was never about spiritual prosperity and eternal life. We have got come around this in many ways to Help you and I to have understanding. Next scripture, please. Galatians chapter 3, verses 24 to 26. Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. 
The writer of Romans, as our brother Paul, is gone everywhere to make it clear that law and grace cannot mix. Grace is by faith. Law is by works by, or by obedience to the commands, whether of conscience or of the one given to the Israelites. Let's go to the next item. It is unbelief to mix law and grace. Say it to yourself, it is unbelief to mix law and grace. Scripture, please. Acts chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. While Paul and Barnabas were at Antioch of Syria, some men from Judea arrived and began to teach the believers, unless you are circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them, arguing vehemently. Finally, the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem, accompanied by some local believers, to talk to the apostles and elders about this question. Praise the Lord. I'm not going to explicate on the scripture. You know exactly what it is. Next scripture, please. Acts chapter 15, verses 5 to 11. But then some of the believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees stood up and insisted, the Gentile converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. So the apostles and elders met together to resolve this issue. At the meeting, after a long discussion, Peter stood and addressed them as follows. Brothers, you all know that God chose me from among you some time ago to preach to the Gentiles so that they could hear the good news and believe. God knows people's hearts and he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them for he cleansed their hearts through faith. So why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor ancestors were able to bear? We believe that we are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. Paul and Barnabas have moved from Antioch with those who came that you must be circumcised and keep the law. They have come to Jerusalem and there the first council of the apostles and disciples are held. That's the council of Jerusalem. And in this place, we now see what they said. Read the next one, please. The decision. Acts chapter 15, verses 23 to 29. This is the letter they took with them. This letter is from the apostles and elders, your brothers in Jerusalem. It is written to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings. We understand that some men from here have troubled you and upset you with their teaching, but we did not send them. So we decided, having come to complete agreement, to send you official representatives along with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're sending Judas and Silas to confirm what we have decided concerning your question. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay no greater burden on you than these requirements, few requirements. You must abstain from eating food offered to idols, from consuming blood or the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. If you do this, you will do well. Farewell. Praise the Lord. Notice in those commands given, there was nothing about keeping the law and being circumcised. I encourage you to read Acts chapter 15 on your own. You'll see what I'm, where I'm going. Now, let me continue. Followers of Jesus Christ while on earth. They were Jews who were following him, the Israelites. It's understandable that some of them could have issues because they have been brought up under the law. Yes, they could have issues because their pre-understandings and presuppositions 
We are anchored on the law of Moses and on the temple worship. So you can understand why they had problems. Circumcision given through Patriarch Abraham and the law of Moses given through Moses. Even though many of the disciples had followed Jesus, it was challenging for some to accept a new reality that they were. That's what it was called then, which is faith in Christ. The way is faith in Christ. Was the only way to serve God after Christ paid the penalty for sins. Because there's no other name given on that heaven by which you can be saved, said the name of Jesus. Not by going to the temple, not by keeping the law, not by being circumcised, but by believing faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Has the tension between those who still wanted to follow Moses and the law and Abraham's circumcision, whom we call the Judaizers. And those who have heard that law and grace are not mixable, you can't mix them. You can't mix them. When you mix them, you become an unbeliever. Though the council of Jerusalem put the matter at rest, as we read, it hasn't stopped our 21st century leaders to give heed to seducing spirits to teach that believers in Christ must still keep the law in one form or the other. Next Sunday, we're going to tell you those doctrines that tell you that you're keeping the law. It is not by accident that deceived church leaders teach their followers that payment of tithes is a must for them to inherit eternal life. Yeah, I mean, you have to agree with me. Those, whoever teaches that is not a believer or has been thoroughly deceived and must repent and tell his or her congregation that that's not true. I just brought that aspect. There are so many others next Sunday. Next Sunday, we know who's by exposing the doctrines of demons that have tried to undermine the grace of Christ. And I will also bring it up by God's grace that for centuries, from the time of the first century, there have been many such unbiblical teachings mixing the law and grace from one, from one form or the other. Who do you think is behind this? But Satan, the king of the kingdom of darkness. Because he knows the moment you start following the law, you have gone far away from the faith of Christ and you cannot inherit eternal life. This false teaches essentially mean that Christ's sacrifice isn't enough. It means fallen human beings must do something to complements the sacrifice. That is heresy. Though God's word says that our works are like future rights, it hasn't stopped these four teachers and pastors from promoting works, using the law to back their teachings. These false teachings continue to undermine the church of Christ and have led so many to Christ's eternity and are leading many on the path of destruction. Work-based doctrines using the law to back them oppose God's grace, that, um, that unmerited divine favor. For those who believe in Christ and his finished was on the Christ or on, on the cross. Therefore, any church organization or denomination or building called church who teach work-based doctrines using the law to support them are apostate. They have gone away from the church of Christ. And you have no business being in them. Apostate Christianity and all the world's false religions. Name all the false religions in the whole world. Watch. It's always about what? Salvation by what? Works. You know? Someone will take kill and then you are going to inherit heaven. You see what I mean? So anything that involves works that you will do that make you go to heaven is not from God. All false religions have that as their what? 
That's their common denominator. And who is behind it? Satan, the king of the kingdom of darkness. Because he knows that the moment you start using words to justify yourself, you are going away from faith in, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Consequences of mixing grace and the law. Next topic, please. Consequences. There are consequences for those of you who mix law and grace. And I feel sad. Because in the covenant God made with Israel, there were blessings for obedience and causes for disobedience. Please read Deuteronomy chapter 28 again, if you okay. I encourage you to do Cursed is the one who does not confirm all the words of this law by observing them. Praise the Lord. And all the people shall say, Amen. Praise the Lord. See, the blessings in Deuteronomy chapter 28 were for Israel's peace and prosperity in the world. Worldly prosperity. Not eternal life. As well as Israel's dominion of other nations, provided they kept to their side of the bargain, obeying the law. That was the covenant they had. And now, as we read, cause is anyone who does not conform to all the words of this. I mean, do you see where I'm coming from? So those who insist on mixing grace and law are effectively rejecting God's grace through Christ and choosing causes for themselves. <laughs> Once you pick an aspect of the law and say I'm following it, you are cursing yourself the moment you are in disobedience because you are supposed to obey all of the laws, not pick and choose. Please note it. If the Israelites couldn't keep the law, you too and I cannot keep the law. Choosing even to keep one item of the law is unbelief in the grace. You, if you can't keep one, you can't keep all. And if you keep all, it's not possible. Therefore, when you mix grace and the law, you bring curse on yourself. That's what these false teachers have brought on those who believe them. Next scripture, please. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. Praise the Lord. Everyone spoke before. Whether Abraham, Moses, it doesn't matter. But in these last days, God sent his son to show us the way. To eternal life. To pay the price for us to be on that way. He set aside the law on the cross when he says it was finished. And the temple there was split in two. And he gave us a new commandment. That's the problem. Many people don't want to know that there's a new commandment for all who have believed in Christ. That commandment is called the commandment of love. Because if you love people, you are going to have compassion. If you love people, you are going to preach the gospel. If you love people, you are going to intercede for even your enemies. That is the point of it. And you are going to love the brethren. And you are going to freely receive and freely give. You will never charge for preaching the gospel. You will never benefit from people because you are preaching the gospel. Yes, you are not supposed to have benefit from preaching the gospel because you're obeying the Lord Jesus Christ. If you love, if and if you have, you share. And those who have, if you don't have, they'll give you. But don't do it because you want people to give you. That's why you become a pastor. You become a GO to ride the big jeeps, to drive. No! You are false. 
The commandment of love says I must give, I must share, and you have to share. And for those who are less but among the brotherhood of Christ. I know it's been abused, that's why many people are used to be skeptical. But the truth is, we have been given a commandment of love. A commandment of love. Scripture, please. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Praise the Lord. When people see the love we have for one another, not stealing from the congregation. When they see that the pastor and the G.O. are on the same level as everybody else, and they don't allow anybody to bow to them, they go to the poorest man's house and sleep there, and go to the rich man's house and sleep there, making no differentiation between rich and poor. That's when the world will say, oh, that's what it is, oh, they're behaving like Christ. Who never discriminated between the rich and the poor. If anything, have more compassion for the poor. Watch exercising the rich to share more of their riches. But only in Christ, because many are going to come, because your brother or sister, they want to steal from you and use the name of the Lord. No, it gives you a discerning spirit. We're going to speak on that next Sunday. How to give and not to give. Because sometimes the devil will send Trojan horses to come and deceive you. To steal from you what God has deposited for you to use to do good works. And you fall pray because you have what? So we're going to sing a song. Next Sunday, <laughs> tune in. It's very important because that's the conclusion of this matter. But right now, if you are one of those mixing law and grace, I assure you, go on your knees and confess your sins to God and ask for forgiveness so that the causes that you have been bringing upon yourself will stop. Praise the Lord. The song, as we started before, I want you to join in this song and meditate on it. There's a fountain filled with the blood. It's for you and I. It's not the ones that say it's in the bottle. That's nonsense. This is a fountain filled from the cross. It continues to envelop the world. It was drawn from the lost veins. And we sinners plunged beneath that flood when we repented. And there we lost all our guilty stains. You and I lost all our guilty stains. And we have no reason to now fear or to be afraid or to be convicted again of the past. All sinners plunged in. Once we believe, we plunge into that blood flowing from his veins. And we are cleansed and made righteous before God. The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. He saw it and he massed himself in it. And there, he was vile, just as you and I were vile. But when we came to the cross of Christ, it washed all our sins away. It washed your sins away, it washed my sins away. And if you have not believed, you go today and your sins will be washed away. Just believe. Go to the cross of Christ in your closet. Look up to heaven and say, Lord, forgive me, I'm a sinner. And have your sins washed away. Since by faith, remember it's by faith, not by works. I saw the stream. Thy flowing will supply. Redeeming love, which is say what you and I are supposed to love one another. It has been the team. 
and it shall be the same till I die, and it shall be the same till you die. We're giving love, love for the brotherhood, for the sisterhood, love that not that does not steal from them, love that instead if you have you give, love that prays, Lord that has compassion, Lord that gives freely what he or she has received. This is redeeming love. That should be the theme of your life. That should be the theme of my life. Because Christ has showed us the way. When this poor lisping, stammering tongue lies silent in the grave, Christ will give you a nobler, sweeter song. And He will give you a nobler, sweeter song. Just look on that day. And we're going to sing his power to save. We're going to sing his power to save. In a nobler, sweeter song. A song that encompasses that will radiate through all eternity. Father, I give you all the praise and honor. And I thank you for all who have joined today. And I pray, my Father, my God, you bless them. Bless them with the knowledge of Christ. If they have known you, with even more knowledge, with greater insights and the desire to study your word. For these truths are therein. For any who wants to search and seek will find. Bless all, my Father. Remove the devourer for their sakes in their homes, in their businesses, in whatever they do, Lord, that they will not fall prey to the wives of the enemy. They will not stretch out their hand to touch iniquity no matter what the situation or circumstance, Lord. I plead the blood of Jesus Christ upon their homes and their lives, Lord. And I, Father, I say today, my Father, my God, do not abandon your children in this time of anomaly in the world. Father, bless them with your presence. Bless them with your presence because when they sense you are there with them, Father, bless them with your presence. And if they are falling, Lord, stretch forth your hand, Lord, and draw them back to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I give you all the praise and honor, Father, for everything because you are God. Thank you, dear Father, for the message and messages and the blessings you have blessed all of us who listen and watch in Jesus' name. All the praise and glory, Lord, are yours. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Praise the Lord. By His grace, we'll see you next time. Do the work of the evangelist. Share these messages. If you have liked our page on Facebook or wherever, look, they are no longer sending you the notifications. We have been broadcasting nearly three years every Sunday. It is important to continue to go to our, our, our website and get all the messages. More than 150 teaching videos you can use in your churches, in your groups. It's free. Freely we receive and freely we get to you. We are pleading with you. Don't just suck these messages into your body. Expand them to the world. They have been given for the world. Life-giving, life-changing messages. We encourage you to do the work of evangelists. They are not going to continue to alert you with notifications on Facebook because they have changed the algorithms. Many things are happening there. So you're not going to get these truths because the world doesn't want truth. So I encourage you, go on your own to check our website. Go on your own and encourage us to tune in. And if they can't get it live, join our WhatsApp group. There are many things you can do to get these messages across to the world. It is for the world. It's not for any country or human being or nation. It's for everybody in the world. It's what called World Evangelical Ministry. It was given to us in 1992 by the Lord Jesus Christ. Through the Holy Spirit inspiring us. And we see today the manifestation of it. It reaches the whole world. We are praying with you. 
and we are praying for you and we're asking you also to pray for us we need the prayers as we pray for you continue to pray that god's word will not stop it will continue to destroy all the wicked messages that continue to deceive people see you people next sunday if it's god's will blessings to all of you